This is Let Your Voice Be Heard, right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. That was more money, more problems, because when you're in America and you don't make $5 million a year, when you get taxed, it's more money, more problems, more taxes taken from you. But anyways, I just want to shout out Miss Deborah, who called us again off air and mentioned a book that you re- listeners might be interested in. It's called The Clinton's War on Women. Mm. Now, she says that, like, you know, she doesn't know if all the information is 100% refutable, but it's still a very interesting read. So, guys, please, if you have a moment, check that out. Go to your local bookstore, Sis's Bookstore right there on 157th or Uptown Bookstore on 164th. Support local black bookstores. Selena? Definitely. So, we started off the show talking about how world leaders, especially in Europe, have been avoiding paying their fair share of taxes. Um, They're taking money from the country, but then they're storing it in Panama, obviously, and um, so that they don't have to pay taxes, right? But you know what? That's happening here in the U.S., and it's been happening for decades now. And there's actually been a surge, too. A lot of uh, multinational companies are doing the same thing. You have the millionaires and the billionaires that Bernie Sanders is always talking about. They do the same exact thing. Meanwhile, people like you and I, we're scrambling trying to get our tax papers together for tax day. And, like, you know, it's just a different world for us. It's like we're living in reality and they're living in some type of fantasy. So we're going to continue the conversation here all about tax day tax policy and tax justice so the u.s treasury department recently presented new rules that prevented pfizer which is the giant drug company best known for viagra from (laughs) merging right if you didn't know right just think viagra from merging with a pharmaceutical company in ireland called algergan algergan Allergan. Allergan. So Pfeiffer's plan was to keep its global operational headquarters here in New York and move its principal executive offices to Ireland. This would have saved Pfizer $35 billion with a B in U.S. taxes. You know, taxes that that pay for things that help Americans. Mm-hmm. Corporations are people, too. No, <laughs> I'm so glad you said that, Stanley, because, I, I, you know, people that defend them, especially elected officials, they use arguments but like that. But, you know, that. it's the guy getting $15 minimum wage that's really affecting your bottom line. Hey, that's what we should all be fighting and protesting and picketing against the person in McDonald's who's finally going to get a, a raise, right? Yeah, it's so sh- that they can live a living wage. Right, and pay for food for their children, right? And then we f- complain that those type of people, with quotes, are always, you know, using government subsidies or on government welfare plans. But if we, you know, it doesn't make sense for us to complain about that and then also complain about actually giving them a living wage. It just doesn't make sense. And this, again, when it goes to, uh, like, how Pfizer was going to um, avoid paying billions of dollars in U.S. taxes, it didn't make sense. And the U.S. Treasury stepped in and took action against inversions that derail this Pfizer deal with the Ireland pharmaceutical company. So the Treasury did this by shutting down a loophole that had allowed what is called corporate inversion. As a result, this saved hundreds, maybe even thousands of jobs that would have left the U.S. to then serve those principal executives. So not only are they trying to avoid paying their fair share in taxes, but they're taking jobs away from people like you and I, working Americans, and they don't care. They don't care. Um, So Pfizer's plan to avoid paying U.S. taxes, it's actually reflective of what a lot of U.S.-based companies are doing to avoid paying tax dollars here in the U.S. And there's been a 
recently, and there's been a surge in tax inversion, which is a type of business transaction where a U.S.-based company, they buy a foreign company headquartered in a country with a lower corporate income tax rate, and then they proclaim to be them to be foreign only for tax purposes, right? So to get away with tax inversion, Pfizer and the big pharma industry, they have been lobbying millions of dollars, putting millions of dollars in the pockets of our elected officials in Congress. This is how they get away with stuff like that. Then sometimes they even blackmail our elected officials, the ones that we elect. They blackmail them by threatening to move to another country if legislators do not reduce their tax rate. So it's just, I mean, if you want to say, like, they really grabbed us by the, by the neck and they have a tight squeeze. They have a tight squeeze on power here in the U.S. and across the country. So Obama, President Obama actually did a great job um, in addressing the derailment of, again, this Pfeiffer deal with the Ireland-based pharmaceutical company. And he did a great job at summing up how many major multinationals enjoy the benefits of being American, such as they enjoy what? Government subsidies, research grants, and the fact that U.S. law doesn't really, um, law enforcement is not really stringent. And so, they have, just wanted to yeah. add to you, access to U.S. markets, access to U.S. customers, and access to U.S. workers without having the burdens of the U.S. tax code. That is exactly right. So I wanted to read some of Obama's quote because it was really good. So this is what Obama was saying uh, last week. As a practical matter, they keep most of their actual business here in the U.S., because they benefit from American infrastructure and technology and rule of law. They benefit from our research and our development and our patents. They benefit from our American workers who are the best in the world. Mm. But they effectively renounce their citizenship. They declare that they're based somewhere else, thereby getting all the rewards of an American company without fulfilling any of the responsibilities to pay their taxes the way everybody else is supposed to do. So America becomes a side chick in this situation. Explain. So a side chick is someone who, well, a side couple <laughs> is someone who does things where, like, someone will go to a side person to, to get some of the benefits of being in a relationship while actually not being in a relationship with them because they have somebody who actually holds that title. So they'll come there and maybe watch some Netflix and chill. And then when they're like, hey, um, I'm a little short on cash this week. Can you lend me five bucks to pay for gas? They're like, hey, this is not a thing. I'm going home to my real husband or wife, and you can just do whatever you want to do. So there go, just taking advantage of just some perks while not respecting them as a whole. That is a great analogy. It sort of reminds me of cuffing season, how yes. people just want someone to cuff during the winter months, and then you throw them away. Cuff like to hold and be in a relationship with. So exactly. Just warm with loving. Basically. No, so that was a great analogy. Um, so just moving along, I also wanted to mention that Obama lumped in the inversions with the Panama Papers, which we just talked about earlier in the show, as examples of the rich not paying their fair share. On the other hand, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, they are not happy with these U.S. Treasury rules at all, even though the, the rules don't go far enough. So the U.S. Chamber put out a quote and they said it's punitive and it's paranoia. Right. Um, and <laughs> yeah, the, 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 yeah well, something's actually happening. There's uh, all the time. But when we try and fix it, it's paranoia. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate I hate conservatism. I think it's so stupid. Right. Sometimes well, I, I really do. Right. It, it just it just doesn't make sense. Um, so, you know, I want to open up 
to the panel, and I want to open up the phone lines now. If you have questions or comments about, again, this corrupt system, the number is 212-650-6903. We're talking about, and I'm going to throw out the first question, but we're, we're talking about, again, this corrupt system where you have, you know, companies like Pfizer who are trying to take advantage of not paying tax dollars like we have to, but they take advantage of every other benefit from here in the U.S. But before we condemn Pfizer as a corporate villain, I want to ask you guys, and you guys Again, you can call in. Why do you think a company actually inverts in the first place? Well, it's very simple. You want to make as much money as possible. The goal of the corporation, the goal of the board, the goal of the CEO is to bring in as much income as possible. And there's a fiduciary duty to do that to your shareholders. Exactly. So when you're looking at shareholders, it's like Twitter right now. Twitter is bringing in billions of dollars, but their shareholders are mad because the money is not growing. So they want Twitter to find new ways to make money. And now Twitter might just get sold off and be looked at as a failure because they're not constantly growing. Mm-hmm. And if you want to find more ways to make money, the best way to do that is to take your business somewhere else where there's no such thing as, say, a uh, minimum wage or health insurance or worker rights. But really, this is more so about taxes than it is about those things. This is being able to say that I'm going to have access to the U.S. market. I'm going to be able to sell my goods, my product in the U.S. market, and Americans are going to... To pay for it, I'm going to get the benefits of using the U.S. Uh, market system to sell my product, but I'm going to pretend or appear to be a foreign corporation on paper because I'm going to merge with a foreign corporation and move my headquarters there. And the reason I'm going to do that is so that I can pay less taxes. And when I pay less taxes, then I make more money. You but- know what's crazy? If you do this like locally, you can get in trouble. So say if you put yourself and I put my address as Long Island, I live in Manhattan. Right, in order to pay out, less taxes. Yeah, I can Correct. get in trouble for that. Yeah. And you probably would get in trouble yeah. for it. And meanwhile, they don't get in trouble. I mean, it's a little different because sort of like it's not just like you like, let's say you were to marry somebody who lived on Long Island mm-hmm. and they were to still have a residence on Long Island. Yeah. And now you're married and you say, well, rather than us using the city address, mm-hmm. let's use your Long Island address so that we can get a benefit. Although Long Island actually has some of the highest taxes yeah. in the country. So yeah. that's probably not a good example to use Long Island. Yeah. But like, let's say like you marry somebody from Kansas mm-hmm. and you're like, let's use your Kansas address so that we could pretend like we are residents and domiciled in Kansas so we can pay less taxes while we reap the benefits of being able to actually live in New York without right. paying New York taxes, but we get the benefits of all the things that come along with living in New York, such as, you know, like water that's, well, <laughs> that's debatable, <laughs> water that's not as poisoned, you know, a public yeah. defender system that it's at least somewhat funded, like all these things that are literally crumbling in Kansas. A somewhat functioning transportation. System. A somewhat functioning educational system. Like I said, I'm not saying New York's perfect. There are definitely some problems in all of the government entities that we just mentioned, but nowhere near the problems in places like Kansas where there's no tax money to pay for those things. But I also just wanted to go back for a second because this isn't just about the inversions themselves. This is also about what's called post-inversion maneuvers. One of those things um, is, is, is a borrowing thing. And without getting into too much complicated financial details that are going to bore you and make you not interested in this. There's a thing that's called earning stripping, and it's basically like you can lend money from your foreign headquarters to your U.S. corporation, right? So now when you lend this money, you write it down as if it, what it's, it's what's called a debt, right? It's just like when you like the credit card company lends you money when you spend money on the credit card. That is American Express lending you money so that you could go buy 17 Hennessy's at the bar on Tuesday yep. when you're out partying, but Hennessey you don't have White. to pay for that until next month. So that's basically you getting a loan from from Citibank. Well, 
what you can do in this situation, earnings stripping, is you can actually lend money to your other company from your, through your foreign company. And this transaction is considered a debt transaction. And so it's not taxed instead of being considered what's called an equity transaction, which is taxed. And so some of these rules that were announced would give the government more authority to treat these transactions as the movement of equity instead of the movement of debt, which would allow the government to tax it and make it less likely that a corporation would want to engage in this thing called earnings strippings. Right. No, thank you so much for explaining earnings strippings to us, Alyssa. I understand we have a call on the line. We have Luke who would like to let his voice be heard. Good afternoon. Hi. Um, You know, this uh, inversion thing has been going on, as you said, for a very long time. And an example of how everyday people have been doing this for years is car insurance. Mm -hmm. In New York City, car insurance is very expensive. So people get addresses outside of the state, and you'll see people parking their cars in their driveway with North Carolina plates, Virginia plates, because that's where their cars are registered in order to save money on insurance. Um, We're really at an economics crossroads in this country. Uh, One of the things I notice is um, Bernie Sanders talks about economic equality. But what is he talking about? Is he talking about local economic equality? You know, raise the um, salaries of fast food workers? Or is he talking about global economic equality? Because if he's talking about global, it's as simple as this. Half the world is too poor. Half the world is too rich. If, and you know what category we fall in. Right. If you're going to have global economic equality, then the poor half of the world's economic status has to be raised. The wealthy half of the world has to be lowered. Thank you so much, Luke, for calling in and dropping that science. Yeah, I use the word, Stanley. Um, You know, we definitely appreciate that. And that was actually a great example when it comes to car insurance and how people try to basically skirt out of um, paying their fair share. But then they get, you know, we get in trouble. There's these other, you know, multinationals who don't. Alyssa, did you have a comment? Yeah, no, you know, but there's another thing that you should keep in mind, which is, um, you know, there are legitimate reasons why people do these cross-border mergers that are not always necessarily related to avoiding U.S. taxes. Now, I would probably say that makes up the minority, not the majority. And so it's really important that we keep the focus on talking about this and talking about the many, many companies that do this for tax avoidance purposes. But a big thing that the Treasury Department, when they put out a press release um, back on April 4th, which is a few days ago, they wanted to make people aware that there are genuine cross-border mergers that make the U.S. economy stronger by enabling U.S. companies to invest overseas and encouraging foreign investments to flow into the U.S. But these transactions should be driven by genuine business strategies and economic efficiencies, not by a desire to avoid U.S. taxes. Right. Well, I wanted to bring up another argument that multinationals make when it comes to tax avoidance. They say, well, you know what? We have to compete in the global economy. This is what has to take place because of globalization. How else are we going to compete with China or Russia or, you know, or, or other countries that have really cheap labor? We have to do this. What do you what do you guys say to that? You know, that's it's that's a really it's a hard question, because the thing is, when you're competing with a, a, a unitary party state like 
you're looking at China, right? Yeah. China is a, a one-party state. It's controlled by the Communist Party. Um, you know, obviously, China has much opened up since the 1960s, since Nixon went to China. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, similar to Obama going to Cuba today. Check that out. We did a show about that uh, last week, I think it Viva was. La Cuba. Um, and you should definitely check that out. Um, but, you know, it's like it's hard to compete with businesses when a business can go to another country and get cheap labor. And what the U.S. needs to be doing then in that situation is not saying, okay, we're going to let our own corporations run wild to avoid taxes in order to compete with China. They should be saying, we need to do more to hold China accountable and India accountable and a lot of places, or Bangladesh, for example, places where people are paid low wages. The U.S. needs to do more, and I I realize you can't tell countries what to do, um, but the U.S. needs to do more to encourage countries to pay their workers more or to have more restrictions on what people or companies in those countries can pay so that those people become more competitive with our people rather than saying, oh, well, you know, people in China are making like three cents. So, you know, we have to avoid taxes in order to, you know, like that's not how we should be looking at this. Right. We should be looking at it as like, okay, two wrongs don't make a right just because they're doing something wrong in some other country. And I get it. Like it's a business decision for you. But at the same time, like keep this in mind. They still want to take advantage of American everything else. So that's the other thing. Like some company in Bangladesh is not trying necessarily to take advantage of all these other things in America. These companies are literally trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're like, let me not pay American taxes, but let me take advantage of A, B, C, D, E benefit that I get from being an American quote unquote company. I just think it's, it's too hard to try to hold these countries accountable because not every country has these low wages because they're just robbing their people. It's just because it's poor countries one until you can't tell countries what to do that's the longer process the easiest and fastest way to do something is to hold these companies accountable and we, we really have to do that so that you can't just say oh um i had a friend he and i were arguing about the 15 dollar minimum wage he goes well i don't care because i have a call center i'll just fire everyone in my staff and have and hire people in trinidad we only pay them 250 an hour mm. right ahead. and those no, people can, should be exposed can, can i say something that happened to me at my job um, so when I was and I'm not going to name the online news source, but when I was working there up until like a few weeks ago, um, a number of people started getting a number of staffers started getting fired. My hours got cut. My pay got cut. And it turns out that the company was relocating to the Philippines where they were paying Filipino workers I think 20% of what I got paid for the same amount of labor. And you know what? It, it, at first, I'm just like, okay, is this just business as usual? But this is what businesses are always going to argue. They are always going to argue that if you raise our taxes, it's like a scare tactic. Like, if you raise our taxes, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this, if you make it harder for us, this, like if you make us provide health insurance, this, it's always like no matter what, something's going to affect their bottom line. And their response is always going to be, we'll take the jobs overseas. We'll just get rid of the jobs. We'll do this. And it's like, okay, people should be holding them accountable and saying, you know, like, that's not right. That, you know, like you, you, you say that you want to be an American company, then, you know, be an American company, be in it to win it or not at all. Right. And on that note, we are going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to continue the discussion about tax justice and also we're going to talk about the tax policy plans that bernie trump and sanders are offering stay tuned whcr 94.3 fm 
All right, guys. So we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. My name is Selena Hill. That was Stanley trying to sing. And we have trying? Alyssa Fuchs. So you can sing now. Yes. So you're Watch a singer. This. Do you believe that I could sing the song? <laughs> Whatever. Baby. Oh, boy. So where we left off, we were talking about tax avoidance and how multinational companies and just large corporations like Pfizer, um, they have these strategies and, tax, uh, uh, strategies and tactics to avoid paying their fair share of taxes. So the U.S. Treasury Department actually stepped in and said, you know what, Pfizer, we're not going to let you partner and move to Iceland, Iceland so that you can have, sorry, so that you can have all the benefits here in the U.S., including our workers, and actually take their jobs away and then um, so that you don't have to pay taxes. Like, you're making a lot of money. Pay it. That's what we do, right? We don't have other choices, but they do. So now we're going to segue right into the tax policy plans that our candidates, our 2016 candidates, are offering. Um, so we're going to talk about Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, and Donald Trump. And then there was a very interesting... Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz, excuse me. And there was a very interesting, um, I don't want to say beef, between Vox and The Nation, where Vox actually put out a tax calculator according to what the candidates' policy plans were and they said that if you use this calculator you can figure out how much you'll be paying in taxes and then vox came back and was like no, nation. nation came back and was like you're completely wrong well, ours no, is better they didn't say that they were <laughs> not wrong. completely they just it's, said that it was a little misleading and so then they made uh what they call a better tax calculator a big part of that was not taking into the extra benefits so that's a, a big thing and uh you know like for example if you plug in that you make $50,000 a year into the tax calculator, um, that will tell you that under Bernie Sanders' plans, you will see your taxes go up about $6,000 a year. But what it doesn't tell you is, is that under that plan, like there, that includes a single payer healthcare system. So if you do the math and you figure out that right now you're spending I don't know, $7,000, $8,000 a year on health care, or maybe you're spending you know, $6,000 a year on health care just on the premiums if you add up what you're paying per month and et cetera, et cetera, um, if you make $50,000 a year, of course. So if you look at, if you say, I make $50,000 a year and I'm currently paying $8,000 in out-of-pocket Healthcare spending under Bernie Sanders' plan, yeah, your taxes would go up by about $6,500, but your healthcare spending would go down to zero because you'd get healthcare under the single payer system, which means if you actually do the math, $8,000 minus $6,500 is actually a net savings of 1500 bucks. And so that's a big reason why people have said, like, you can't just look at the fact that taxes would go up under Bernie Sanders because you actually have to also look right. at what benefits and what money it would save you, uh, not just how much more it would cost you in taxes. Well, right. I just put the money, the um, numbers into the tax program for the nation and for Vox. So in Vox, with $50,000 a year, you'd be paying $5,725 more a year in taxes under Bernie Sanders. You'd be paying, um, I think, about 163 more under Hillary Clinton. You'd be saving $4,000 under Trump, and you'd be saving $2,700 under Cruz. But remember that cost savings, I just wanted to yeah, add, yeah. When, when, we, when, when we cut taxes... And even though you're paying less taxes, one, it means there's less money going into the government treasury. So that means there's less money going out, which means less money to spend on things like Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps, and all the thousands and thousands of other things that government spends money on. Some of them good that we agree with and some of them not so good. And also, 
it doesn't reduce the federal debt or deficit when there's no money coming in. So you may hear tax cuts and go, oh, yeah, that's why Republicans are great. But remember what happens when tax cuts happen, like you see what happened in Kansas and Louisiana. So I did it under the nation as well. And under Hillary, you'd be taking home like you'd still be spending taking home the same amount of money. Under Bernie Sanders, you'd be taking home $163 more every paycheck. Under Ted Cruz, it's still the same thing, $2,700. And under Trump, it'd be $5,075 every two, like every year you'd be saving in taxes. So wow. those numbers drastically shift. And the, the, the thing we're not talking about right now is these are their tax plans within the campaign. They more than likely will not get these same exact tax plans when they come into office. It's just not going to happen. Right. Because it never of the, the does. political atmosphere. So you just think that it's too idealistic? Um, well, I don't know if it's too idealistic, but I just think we need to look at the political, the, like what we're facing politically in Congress and Senate right now. If we magically flip Congress and Senate to be Democratic and Bernie Sanders is still is president, it's still an uphill battle because a lot of them, well, enough of them don't fit with him ideologically to support those kind of tax um, increases. Right. No, I, I think that's a good point. I just think it's really important that people keep in mind what their taxes go to pay for. And like, right. you know, and, and that's a big thing that doesn't come into this conversation is like, yeah, your taxes may go up. But in theory, that means you might get more benefits like paid family leave and single payer health care, et cetera, et cetera. Although, as you rightly point out, those things might not happen or they might not happen right away because you still the president would still have to work for Congress. I wanted to mention something before we close out this segment. And also, uh, you know, I should mention, it sounds to me like before I get to that, Hillary Clinton is really the status quo, um, you know, which is basically keeping things very similar to Obama, whereas Bernie is going a little further to the left. Just to just add one more thing. I made a mistake in the nation. You'd be paying $40 more with Hillary Clinton. Right. Okay. Which is essentially the status quo. So I I wanted to mention this, which is there was a really interesting article uh, in The New Yorker a few weeks back, and it was about the failed experiments in Louisiana and Kansas that I've already mentioned about this cutting of taxes. And about basically it starts out uh, in this fantasy world. And it says, you know, the year is... 2018 and Bernie Sanders had been elected president in 2016 and he implemented these radical tax policies and they've all fallen apart and the entire country is falling apart. And what would people want? They would say, we have to hold Bernie Sanders accountable, right? And then he switches gears and he said, well, now back to now. And he goes through what happened in in Kansas with them totally cutting taxes and basically how Kansas schools are falling apart and there's no public defenders and the roads are falling apart and there's no money to fix them. And then, you know, also looks at Louisiana about how like their criminal justice system is totally screwed up and X, Y, and Z. And he says, why is nobody holding these people's feet to the flames, right? Like, just like they would hold Bernie Sanders' feet to the flames in 2020 if his radical tax plans didn't work. And so that's a really important thing that I think we need to be looking about in this presidential election when we look at the Republicans' tax plans like Ted Cruz and Donald Trump and say literally what they are proposing is exactly the same as what Kansas just did that failed miserably. And it's exactly the same as what Louisiana did that failed miserably supply side economics does not work and it's gonna i don't know what kind of political revolution it's going to take to get that through conservatives heads that this let's cut taxes and let trickle let the rich trickle the money down to everybody else literally does not work it has failed in kansas it has failed in louisiana it's about to fail in kentucky and it's not going to work as a model for the country 
Um, let me just throw out the last <laughs> one of the last questions because time just uh, flew by. So I want to know, so you know, Stanley, based on the calculations and the research, which tax plan are you standing behind and are you, would you advise others when it I'll, comes to the candidates? Well, I mean, like the, the increase sounds a little bit scary, but I would say Bernie's or Hillary's. And the reason I say that is because, like Alyssa mentioned, you, you can't look at how much more you're going to be paying because – like the benefits and things that's going to, that are going to be rolling out are going to offset those things. And also, you're looking at even if they can't get the exact tax plans they want, the kind of rhetoric and policy they'll be pushing out will benefit most people. The question is, are we going to have enough support in Congress and Senate to make sure that happens? Because at the moment, I don't think we are. Mm, oh, well, good point. Alyssa, same question. Uh, um, let me just reiterate that. So I just want to know, which candidate's pol- uh, tax policy plan are you standing behind and supporting? I mean, I'm standing behind Bernie Sanders' tax policy plan because I think that we do need my political ideology is that, you know, people who make more money, we should have a more progressive tax code if you, you know, like, and it should we should have more tax brackets and we should use those things to benefit us so that we can have, you know, a, a strong uh, system of supporting people who lose their jobs, strong unemployment system, strong Medicare system, strong single payer, like strong educational system. And I think that's really important. And I should just add in, we should also save money by ending the war on drugs and, um, you know, reducing our prison population, which is a different conversation. Um, Nonetheless, if Bernie doesn't get the nomination, I'm going to support Hillary because I'd rather have the status quo than have a than take the Kansas failed experiment and replicate it so that it can fail the entire country so this is going to be the last one last one okay really in 30 seconds which tax when it comes to tax reform and tax justice if you in 30 seconds what are some of the solutions you see um that we need to push for going forth well i mean everyone knows it stop giving so many subsidies to these big businesses penalize corporations who try to take their businesses overseas and raise taxes on the rich that's not the, the answer to all the problems because you can't just tax the rich to pay for everything but we do have to have a more transparent and accountable tax system right thank you for that i Stanley. agree with everything that stanley says and as i said i think that we need to go back to the what i would call the eisenhower tax brackets and if you you know don't remember eisenhower is actually a conservative but there was more tax brackets it was a more progressive tax code you know and it benefited everybody it benefited Benefited small business owners who paid less taxes, even though they were doing well. And, it, you know, and yes, it caused the rich to have to pay more money. But those people still were doing phenomenally well during the Eisenhower administration, right. even when they were being taxed upwards of 70 to 80 percent. So Right. And, and, you know, and I'll just end by saying this, even though we just got out of a recession there, are, you know, the upper the elite the one percent and the two percent of uh, in this country and in this world have not been suffering. They've actually been doing much better, re- regardless of how the rest of the world um, and our economy is looking. And I wanted to say that the tax system that we currently have, it was created and has and continues to protect the privileged and the wealthy. That is why we even have class inequality. Class inequality was created. It's being protected. And I think that if we don't stand up, if we don't talk about the Panama Papers and expose what is going on in with multinationals, with corporations and world leaders, we're going to continue to have this elitist class that takes advantage and they use their power and they use their money against us. It's all about corporate greed and filling their 
their pockets and maintaining their own status quo. And that's why we, as the 99%, have to stand together and stick together, at least on this issue. And conservatives and liberals should definitely be coming together because you know what? We're all in that large American middle class, and we can all stand together to fight this issue on this one. All right, guys, so on that note, we're going to take a quick break, but when we do, Alyssa's coming back with a quickie rant on LGBT discrimination.